I want to talk about the spirit and soul and body as we're hearing from God and, and why that makes a difference, how we're created. We went back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It said that when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, he became a living soul. And there's a verse in uh, Thessalonians. It is um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, talking about may God sanctify completely your spirit and soul and body. So Paul is really separating these into the three. One of the things that we know that when we, we come to Christ, if we read John chapter 17, John chapter 10, Jesus says, You are in me and I am in the Father. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you, for what you will and it will be done for you. So this, this interconnected relationship is something that Jesus understood and Paul also understands. And he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 that he who's in Christ is one spirit with him. One spirit. So it's very difficult to imagine your spirit. You can see your body. You can talk about your soul, sort of like your personality, your mind, your logic, your will, what you want to happen, your emotions, your feelings. This is very much part of you. In fact, many of us are run by the soul. Our soul runs the show. And for someone who is not connected to Jesus, someone who's not connected to the Father, the soul, actually, they, is running the whole show. We would hope that our soul is going to be affected by our spirit. I have drawn the diagram here as how I, it's a metaphor, it's a way I can imagine it, because you can't see the spirit, you actually can't see the soul, but I would imagine that God is at your right hand, your spirit is on your right side. So if your right arm and chest and leg were spirit, your central, your mind, your will, your heart, your emotions, which a lot of them are in your gut. Your gut has its own brain, by the way. And your heart also has a little mini brain with all the neurons. And they all connect to your mind. So mind, will, and emotions, we're going to call the soul the central section. And your body, we're just going to imagine, is on your left side. Just as a way for you to try to get this in your mind. It's a very difficult concept to understand because you can't see the soul and often we don't feel the spirit. So it is, we assume it's not even there. But we know from the scriptures that if we're in Christ, he comes into us and I would say, well, where is he? Well, he's in your spirit. You're one spirit with him. You could also argue, yes, he's in your body, he's in your soul, he's in you. But primarily, his effect, the effect of God in you, is going to be in your spirit. If God is in you, obviously we need to be able to hear his voice. So typically, the spirit now is going to speak through the soul or through the mind. You're going to hear his words. 
it depends on how, essentially how soulish we are as to how much effect the Spirit is going to have on us. And I want to read a verse to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. I'm reading from the ESV. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. 1 Corinthians 2.12, now 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. I want to pause right there because this word natural, there is, is actually the word Soulish. There is no English word soulish. So the way the Greek goes, spirit, pneuma, soul, suke, body, sark, spirit, spiritual, Greek would be nomatikos. Soul, suke, soulish would be sukikos. Body, sark is like sarkikos. So there are words in the Greek for being spiritual, being soulish, and being we say fleshly or carnal. We have no word for this, so it's translated carnal or natural, the natural man. But what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians is a soulish person, someone who's run by their soul. And listen to what it says about a soulish person. The soulish person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, you are going to act primarily on a soulish level. Now, you may be a very nice person, you determine things, but the spiritual is going to be disconnected here. In order to get the Spirit into the soul, it depends where we focus. It depends what we're focused on. If you are focused on the words of God, the things that God has said, and we talked about the Israelites in the wilderness hearing a bad report, depending on what you focus on, they focused on the fact that there were giants in the land. They got very afraid, offended, and they decided to not go in until the following day when it was too late. They were acting on a purely soulish level. They, it depends what their mind was focused on, and they were focused on the giants. If we focus on how God sees things, we are then, and what his word says, we are able to get his spirit. There's basically like a little valve. I see this like a little... I see like a little valve here, a little one-way valve, and you get, to, you get to put a handle on that, and you get to open that valve and get the Spirit to flow into the mind, the will, and the emotions, depending on how much of the Scripture you focus on, what you're thinking about. Are you thinking about God's being cited in your day? Are you thanking Him for things that have happened to you? Or are you mostly focused on the problems and the bills that are due, 
and the report from the doctor. Where is your mind focused? Because Satan, as we just discovered with Eve, wants your mind focused on a certain thing. What's wrong with your environment? How you can make it better by taking charge, by making some decisions, by making sure that doesn't happen to you. If we focus on the Spirit of God and we pause, maybe some of you recognize Eve could have paused, taken a time out, got herself and her visual system away from the tree so that she was no longer sitting there with the, with the pressure. Because when we want something, there's a pressure that builds up. I like to picture, in fact, I've, I've written a, a I call it a, a meditation that pictures God's spirit in me. We know that the spirit, it talks about in Ephesians, that the spirit of God is sealed. It's sealed in you. Which means that no matter what you do, you can't damage it. That's news to most people. They think that when you sin, the spirit leaves. No. No, your spirit is one, one with Jesus, no matter what you do. He's there. He's living in your spirit. You may not be paying any attention to him or listening to him, but, he's, but you're one. You have one spirit with him. It's sealed. That's why it says the spirit is sealed in you. Sealed to the day of redemption. You, you can't tarnish it. But, you have, but what you can do is your soul can be so full of guilt and shame that you sinned or whatever you've done, that you think that God has left you, and that's what Satan wants you to think. And that's one of the reasons I, I wrote this meditation. It's on my, I believe it's on my app. Yeah, I have it on my app. That I will meditate seeing the Spirit of God on my right side. That my right side is totally a 100% righteous. And this is 100% righteousness here. 100% untarnished, that even no matter how I'm feeling, my right side is absolutely righteous. This is how I put it together. You're welcome to put it together any way you like, but I'm looking for something to help me in those times when I'm not feeling close to God. I'm not feeling like he's speaking to me. Well, feeling, we know where that's coming from. It's coming from my soul. It's coming from my mind, my will, my emotions. You didn't get a good night's sleep last night. What's that going to affect? Soul. And your body, not affecting your spirit. Spirit's there, but you just can't feel it. You're tired, you're fatigued, your mind is not tuning in. Sleep, drugs, relationships, emotions, what you ate, right? I just said a lot of the gut has a brain. It's, it's communicating back and forth with your brain. What's happening here? What it, we say, oh, I had a gut feeling. Your gut actually is telling you a lot about life. Some of it is true. A lot of it's not. A lot of it's perception. How are you going to know what's true? Oh, interesting. Your spirit knows what's true. And if I continue reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then Paul makes a crazy statement. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Well, that's news to most of us. Whoa, 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 that doesn't sound like my thoughts. 
Oh yeah, you have Christ, 100% living in you over here in my diagram on your right side. It's in your spirit. And you have access to the mind of Christ at all times. But the problem is that our soul often overrides that emotion, anger, fear. People in fear can't remember what God has done for them. And there we have what happened with the children of Israel in the desert. They had planned to go in. There were giants in the land. Emotional contagion took over. They said, we will die here. They were convinced they were going to die. They were ready to stone Moses and go back. And we think, oh, that was crazy. That was so silly. But we do the same thing. Our emotions hijack, and we forget that we have a spirit here. I'm just going to finish with this, because whatever is in your soul is going to overflow into your body. Do you have a lot of negativity here? Oh, here they come. Oh, going to the doctor, probably give me bad news. All the negativity is just going to keep flowing into your body, giving your body a bad report. So the things that you say that are in line with the Word of God are going to help your soul and ultimately your body. There's a lot more to discuss there, but I will just... Uh, well, we can just we can just finish. I, I, let's let's just what I've said. I want to give you a chance. That's a lot of new information for most people, and this is just how I've put it together. So uh, take a look, see if that makes sense. Then look in the scriptures and go go through some of the scriptures, and I can give you some. Um, also, to, to look at John 17 when Je- when Jesus starts talking about you're in me and I'm in you and the Father. What is he talking about? He's in you. Where is he? And why is he not being accessed when you need him? I believe it's because we need to get the the words of God in our mouths. I used to wake up in the morning and ask Naomi, uh, hey, how did you sleep? How are you? And three days out of four, it was a pretty good answer. I slept well. And then one day out of four, ah, not so well. I got some pain in my back. I'm not. And she would ask me the same thing. It's just, it's just common courtesy to ask someone how they're doing or how they slept. Well, I was realizing that one out of four days, that was an unproductive question. It was getting the mind to focus on, to check the body, to see how you are. Which typically, depending how, how you slept, is going to be now shifting right away into the negative. So now the first thing we ask each other is what, babe? Who is God for you this morning? What is the name of God for you this morning? Now, in Scripture, by the way, God, they're always naming him. My provider, my banner, my shield, my rock, my redeemer. So I name him things like the God who helps me with the computer. You know, the God who who helped me repair the dryer. You know, the God who helped me yesterday. Well, who is God for you? See, that's how I keep God fresh in my mind so that that is what the first thing I'm thinking about. No matter how I slept, I thank God for what I got. And then I, who is he? He's my savior, redeemer, my Lord. Second question we ask ourselves, Naomi. Who are you? Who is God? Who are you? 
Well, who am I? I'm at the mercy of my circumstances. I just swing this way and swing this way. What's on the news? That tells me who I am. Who called me? Who didn't call me? That's typically how we respond. No, who, who am I? What does God say I am? His beloved. Beloved son, who sees well pleased, has nothing to do with my performance. I'm his beloved son, whom he's well pleased. I'm getting the spirit to flow into my soul and then ultimately overflow to my body. Who, who am I? I'm precious to him. I am, I'm fully righteous in Christ. I'm his righteousness. It says we are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's exactly what he's talking about. 100% righteous regardless of your behavior, regardless of your thoughts. This is who you are. You don't feel that way. The only way you're going to change your feelings, I know that I'm not the only one who has woken up in a bad mood, but something good happens and suddenly you're actually in a good mood. Your feelings can change depending on circumstances, depending on what you focus on. I choose to focus on who God is, who am I, and then our last question. Naomi, what promises of God are you standing on today? What promise of God are you standing on today? Uh, here's a couple for you. Uh, Philippians 4, uh, Philippians 4, 19. Like he will, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all my needs. That's, that's So I start speaking the words of God out, speaking the promises of God. This is not just affirmations, I want a million dollars. This is speaking the words of God. If God says it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to get this spiritual truth into my soul, mind, will, heart, emotions. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. I'm having trouble with the computer. What am I going to say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to speak those words. Who is God? Who are you? What promises of God are you standing on? We know we have his good and precious promises by which we become partakers in the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. We get to partake in the divine nature if we know his promises. We speak them and the spirit now moves into our soul, mind, our will, our emotions. It becomes what we think about. It takes a lot of work. It takes a bit of... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a habit you have to develop but I encourage you all to try it. Father, we thank you for everyone who's come today. We acknowledge that your spirit is in us. It was put there. Your spirit has been sealed in us 100%. And it is ours to access. The mind of Christ is ours to access. Lord, we love you. We want to live this week communicating with you, hearing from you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.